0: Hello, welcome to Blong's podcast series Keeping Pace with Therapy Looking at Intersectional Innovations in Psychotherapy. As various mental health experts as well as organizations try to understand the relationship between social identities and mental well-being of the individual, various psychological intervention strategies are being introduced or rather reintroduce keeping in mind the need to see the therapy room as a space not devoid of social context. In this podcast series, we try to look at some of the innovations in psychotherapy that are making mental health sector and therapy approaches more inclusive and sensitive to the sociocultural realities of people. This series is hosted by Saranj Bisht and Anugraha Raman. Tune in to know more. Inspired by Buddhist values that stress compassion, Compassion-Focused Therapy techniques help individuals develop kinder approaches to how to view themselves and interact with others, void of blame and criticism. In this episode titled An Introduction to Compassion-Focused Therapy, we speak with Rory Kahil, a professional trained in Compassion-Focused Therapy about the potential of techniques to alter the way we perceive aspects of individuals' life outside the therapy room. Rory is a qualified counsellor and psychotherapist who has worked professionally across a range of settings. Rory initially trained as a teacher at the University of Warwick but developed a passion for working in the field of mental health. He went on to study counselling and psychotherapy across various universities. These courses included a focus on person-centred and integrative therapeutic approaches and Rory went on to specialise in compassion-focused therapy Training alongside Professor Paul Gilbert. Hi, Rory. Welcome to today's episode.
1: Hey, thank you, Sirens. Thanks for having me on.
0: Great. So, just to begin with, you're currently working as a psychotherapist trainer as well as a lecturer. Can you tell us how your personal life influenced these career decisions? Oh,
1: yeah, that's a good question. If I'm to go back a bit of time, so I'm 35 at the moment, but a big spark for me was created when I was 18 and I I was studying psychology actually, doing it at A level. In rugby where I live and so we were doing actually lessons at rugby high school and I had a teacher called Mary Watts and she taught me psychology and I have to say I do remember her lessons vividly well and just the way she taught and just learning about all the backgrounds of Freud behaviorism all those things it just really did light a fuse in my mind that kind of never went out really I just thought that has to be about the most interesting subject there is out there and I ended up, I really liked history, so I already decided on studying history, which was a great choice at the time. I went to Newcastle University and I initially then became a teacher for a few years, but I suppose the subject of psychology and therapy just fascinated me from the age of 18 and pretty much all of my leisure, pleasure reading was about that. Yeah, and actually when I found myself, when I was teaching in schools, which I enjoyed to a great extent. I always love the teaching aspect of being around people. In the UK here, we have a ridiculous bureaucracy paperwork culture, which is really terrible in terms of how teachers get on. And whilst I was actually teaching, I, I love the interaction with my colleagues and the staff and working in schools and stuff like that. And I but even more so than the academic side, I was actually almost more interested in the kind of pastoral side, the psychological side about what was going on for pupils and their families and, and even my colleagues and stuff. And like what was making people feel stressed. And I suppose with my kind of, I think it's fair to call it obsession with psychology and fascination with people, I put them together. And then decided I actually did an introductory counselling course at Warwick University, and then I just decided, yeah, I'm gonna definitely change here. So I've got like that was when I decided to, in a way, jump ship, change careers at least, and then retrain as a counsellor as a psychotherapist. So yeah, combination of things really. So from the school experience, the love of psychology, my own school experience, and then working as a teacher, and all those things sort of planted that seed. If that makes sense.
0: Yes, it does. And thank you for sharing that, Rory. You're also the founder and director of Saldo Limited, mental health and well-being specialist. Can you tell us a little bit about this initiative?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So with Saldo, so essentially retrained in 2014, I was lucky. I actually got a pay placement role as a therapist back in 2015 across a couple of schools, across a mainstream school in Leicestershire and an SEMH school in Leicestershire. And if you're unfamiliar with that term, in the UK, so SEMH is specialist school for young people with, we'd say, social, emotional, and mental health difficulties. So often young people who've experienced lots of trauma and or people with different developmental difficulties who struggle to be in a mainstream set. So I was working across both those places and really loved my role there. And I had, had an amazing clinical supervisor who we actually work with now called Karen Coles. And there was an amazing head there at the time called Georgina Pearson, who I also am still working with. So we were doing... I was initially doing lots of one-to-one therapy, which was great and interesting and all of these things, but I really loved the compassion-focused approach because I've actually, to be honest, used it for my own mental health and well-being and found it really useful. And then I decided I wanted to get more training in that area quite quickly around 2015, 2016. So I ended up doing training with the founder of CFT, who Professor Paul Gilbert up in Derby, up in Derby. And just loved the training there and implemented it very well in my practice. But as I was going through, and a couple of things happened, but I finished the master's and then I was actually started a PhD with Paul Gilbert and Derby University. And we were looking at compassion focused group work, which is something called CMT, compassionate mind training, which has been really well researched and very validated and used in a lot of settings. And we were doing projects around that, which was really enjoyable in the smaller groups, I found the CMT stuff we were doing was getting really well received and working really, really well. But whereas I thought that actually when we were doing some of those practices in the really bigger groups, which included doing whole staff wellbeing, so getting 40, 50, 60 plus more staff and doing projects around the kind of group-based compassionate mind training, that it was being received well by lots of people, but it would be a bit mixed as well by some people as well. And so I was starting to ask myself the question that actually if we're doing compassion focused projects on a bigger scale, like to train as many people in a school, in an organization, in a business where what could be done with the compassion focused model? And then I spoke to people like Paul Gilbert and like Dr. Chris Irons, who've all been really supportive with this. And they were really encouraging for me to work on that and use my background in terms of lecturing and therapy training and all these things to kind of develop a model which I saw was appropriate an evidence-based model which i thought was what was appropriate to basically be able to do the larger scale project so that is essentially being able to say to a school business organization a charity anywhere that actually you could do three types of intervention across the organization so you can have the larger projects for as many people who want to come and you can run smaller groups around CMT, and then you can also have individual therapy. And of course, there's lots of different branches of therapy out there. It's some really great therapist from different backgrounds, but CFT is a really great one to use. So yeah. essentially, the vision behind Salda was like, let's get it out. Let's find a model, works for as many people as possible. And that's what I did with, again, I suppose, help and support of people like Chris Sines and conversations with him. And essentially, that's our model, which is a fusion of elements of compassion-focused therapy goes throughout all of it, but we fuse in some ideas and techniques from positive psychology and from logotherapy. And yeah, essentially, we've been doing it across a variety of places, including schools for students, for teachers, in businesses, in the NHS, universities. And the idea for Sado is let's make mental health training accessible to as many humans as possible, which sounds quite bold, but that's essentially... (laughs) what we're doing so yeah it's how saldo developed and then i kind of created i only actually launched it i've been doing a lot of work on my own before but actually launched saldo properly officially in february in 2021 so it is technically quite a new company but yeah we've had a great first year in a bit and we're continuing to grow and develop and that's the plan is to get quality mental health and well-being training to as many people as possible
0: yeah quite an impressive initiative i must say you have also been an ardent advocate for a compassion-focused therapy for quite some years now. Can you briefly describe what it is for those who haven't heard of CFT yet?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So CFT, compassion-focused therapy, was developed by the gentleman I mentioned, by Professor Paul Gilbert. So Paul was a psychologist and therapist working in the healthcare system in the NHS up in England, up in Derby. many years and he was also a researcher and an author and he was working with people with quite significant mental health difficulties and he noticed that actually for a lot of the people with these severe mental health difficulties they were struggling with high and intense levels of self-criticism and essentially and there's lots of research to back this up that people individuals with high levels of self-criticism often have quite significant mental health difficulties, and that the intensity of the inner critic can make those difficulties work, including things like anxiety and depression self-harm. So he was aware of this. And at the time, as is the case in a lot of places, CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, was the kind of main way of working with these people. And he was finding, as a lot of other researchers found, is that for many people, so CBT works really well for some people, but lots of people don't engage with it too. And he was finding that for some of these, I suppose, in a way, hard to reach people, that actually they weren't really engaging with the CBT based approach because some of the feedback that would come back is that clients or patients, individuals who were having therapy, they'd often understand the logical aspect of the CBT interventions, but they wouldn't feel very different. And obviously, that's not really what you want when you're doing therapy. It's being able to work with people and finding ways to help them to feel better. So essentially, Paul, who's a very smart man and was researching lots of things and had a passion for different modalities. He kind of brought the idea of compassion focused therapy together. And it's been described as different things, but essentially it is an integrative or multimodal therapy that fuses elements of Buddhist psychology, neuroscience, attachment theory, some elements of CBT and others into this model of therapy, which is essentially about helping people to become more compassionate with themselves and also to be compassionate with other people. And there's a balancing act to be had there, but that's it. So it's a fused, multimodal, integrative approach that really helps people to improve their self-dialogue, reduce their levels of self-criticism and develop inner voice, an internal voice that's more caring, empowered and compassionate. Yeah, so that's what CFD is.
0: Thank you for summarizing in a very clear cut way. So now that we know a little bit about CFT, how did you connect with this particular therapeutic intervention yourself?
1: Okay, so I had my own issues myself. So I would, especially during my teaching time, I'd feel absolutely fine and good for a bit. And then my mood would just drop out of nowhere. So sometimes if you la- label it, you have symptoms of like anxiety and depression that would come out, out of nowhere. So eventually with, Kind of some encouragement from my actual, my auntie, who was a therapist, or Kath O'Keefe, who's been very supportive to me. She kind of encouraged me to seek out a therapist, which I'm very glad about. And I actually went to a couple of different therapists and learned a lot from a few of them. And interestingly, so the first one was this older gentleman who was this lovely guy and worked in this very person-centered, humanistic way where we were just relating with each other. And that was a really great starting point. But for me, I felt like it wasn't getting to the crux of what was going on. And then the second one was someone who practiced CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, and she was absolutely a lovely individual, really lovely person, but I just found the logical approach to that style of therapy, again, wasn't getting to the crux of where I was at. And then the third person I ended up seeing had this very integrated background, so he was trained in different things. And essentially... She introduced me to CFT and some of the books and the literature of CFT. And then as I started reading Paul's book and the books of people like Deborah Lee and others in the world of CFT, because there's lots of people, Paul started it, but it's a massive therapeutic movement now. It just resonated with me so much in terms of like how the mind works. And I started using and practicing interventions. So like a lot of people then, as I'm then training as a therapist, I'm really fascinated by this approach at the time. And honestly, consciously, when I started the Masters at Barbie, I didn't actually know, I wasn't aware that Paul Gilbert was up there. But on my first day of speaking to the new tutor, who's Chaz Kang, who's like another amazing character who's been really supportive for us. I said, she said, what approaches do you like? And I said, you know, I'm really passionate about CFT." And she just turned around and goes, oh, yeah, so Paul was my old mentor, like you'll have to meet him one day. And that was the way it went then. And so because it had been so useful to me, I thought it made a lot of sense. I was very passionate about it. And then as I did the course at Derby, I then got in contact with Paul Gilbert and the team at the Compassionate mind Foundation and did their training, the introductory training, the advanced training and multiple other bits of training in CFT. And that's how I kind of really developed my own practice with it. So I suppose it's the personal experience knowing that it was really helpful to my own mental health made sense to me. And then that that kind of inspired me, I suppose, to pursue it more. And then essentially from day one, I do an integrative, which means you fuse different approaches, but an integrative, compassion-focused, therapeutic orientation is is the way I tend to work. And we do get lots of good feedback from clients and, and groups and stuff on that. Yeah.
0: Right, right. And because you have been a witness to therapy yourself, Rory. Perhaps you would acknowledge that a lot of times therapy fails to accommodate the experiences of persons, especially with marginalized identities.
1: Absolutely.
0: So, how does CFT approach such individuals who have been othered? Are there any examples that you can give us from Mm. practice?
1: Oh man, that is such a great question. I'm really glad you've asked that. So, I think so. One of the issues in therapy, and we talk about this a bit of our lecture so I still do lectures at Derby and said I've been at Warwick University for the last couple of years but I'm just leaving now to kind of focus on Sauda but like this is a really important point so one of the issues of counselling and psychotherapy is it is in the most created by white western people and as you said so there can be a sense of yeah a marginalisation and othering I think is a really important point I suppose in terms of the actual practical what I find in in CFT, there is a kind of universality, like an application to, I think, all humans on some of this stuff if you introduce it in a very calm, open way, right? And so stuff like the three systems model where we talk about your threat system and what makes you angry and anxious, how sometimes that's useful and sometimes really overwhelming. And then your drive system, which is linked to your kind of sense of goals and working towards the future, home, working life, etc., And then your soothing system, which is linked to a sense of calm and connection and contentedness. That model itself, I think, is actually applicable to any human being ever, right? So if you introduce that model in a gentle way, people, whoever they are, from whatever background or culture they're from, if they're wanting to reflect, they can reflect from their life experiences. And when I'm working with individuals or groups who are othered and marginalized, as you can imagine, what we're seeing in those groups is a huge amount of threat a lot of the time. And both in terms of the anger that people feel when they're othered and also the anxiety about trying to deal with life when they've been othered and mistreated and abused and put down by people, by individuals, by the system, by all of those things. So actually, we call it psychoeducation, psychological education. When you introduce those sorts of models, anyone who has been othered can, I think, can really say ah okay so that's my threat system and absolutely that makes sense and as a therapist then you're kind of just validating and making sense of why people feel so so angry so i think in that sense a cft approach done in a really kind of fun um, way whilst you're really also focused on the relational aspect and wanting to like making sure you're building that relationship with clients I think is really useful. And then compassion itself as well. You know, that's not a Western concept. That's like So really, basically every religion throughout time has spoken about the value of compassion. And sometimes people live by that, and sometimes people don't. And no one ever lives by it perfectly, by the way, because we're all flawed humans. But every religion at some point has talked about the importance and value of compassion. So it's a completely global, inclusive concept. And I think both of those things are really important when working with marginalized people and to be able to hear their voice and their story about why they're so enraged or very anxious or both is really important. Does that make sense, Saran?
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. It makes sense. My next question to you would be about CFT in comparison to other models of therapy. In case if you have given it a thought, do you think that it is quite different in its way of approaching support provided to marginalized persons than Mm. other models of therapy
1: oh wow again another great question so yes but there are others would be my initial question and my initial answer and i'll say a little bit about that i actually think it can do for some of the reasons i've said and i'll go into a bit of depth but as i say but just to clarify so my background training is in integrative counseling and psychotherapy and so i did that Master's degree up at Derby University, and the course is amazing. And it's ran by someone called Jazz Kang, who's who is really quite an incredible, has grown the course there. And what we do in that course, we learned that the kind of foundation of the three approaches we use there is attachment theory, okay, which is created by John Bowlby, which is really about those early life relationships and how they could have a really significant influence on how people relate in different life. And that's absolutely brilliant. There's also person-centered therapy, which is really important. And sometimes therapy can be quite tribal. and Some people can be quite dismissive of person-centered therapy, which I think is really wrong because person-centered therapy really is so much about the value of that relationship and that therapeutic encounter, which I really believe in and adhere to and abide by. So it's a really great approach too. And then we also do bits of CBT. And again, cognitive behavioral therapy has its place too. So I think all of the different therapies, they do have their place. And all of them, of course, have their critiques as well. So like I've said, one of the kind of key, like CBT became a massive thing years ago, sort of imported from the States. And there are people who get on really well with it. And that's really great. But there are a lot of people that don't. And actually speaking to some people from marginalized groups there's sometimes like labels like maladjusted thinking, okay? So a client comes in and talks about how they might feel very depressed about things, anxious, overwhelmed. And sometimes the CBT therapist might label that style of thinking of maladjusted thinking. Whereas in CFD, we would just label it as thinking and want to explore it. Because the truth is if someone has been oppressed for years by people, individuals, groups, the system, then it makes perfect sense that they would be angry, enraged, depressed, et cetera. So from a CFT perspective, we're not labeling it maladjusted because it completely makes sense in the context of their life experience. And so I think it is important to have that sort of compassionate angle when you are working with marginalized individuals and groups. I think that's important to say and validate, absolutely. It makes sense that you feel down, depressed, enraged, all of those things based on your life experience and being marginalised and essentially at treated like S-H-I-T, all of those, so it makes sense. And you're wanting to kind of explore that and, and kind of work with the client, work with the person about what's going on there. So I think that's important. And I do also want to give kind of an extra mention to person-centred. So at Warwick University, we've been teaching both on the person-centred BA there and now the new integrative one. And both have their value. So I am CFT integrative. CFD is my main one, but I do have this relational focus to all of my work. There's lots of research in therapy, but essentially, if you don't have that quality relationship with the client and counsellor, it's not going to work. So the relational element of approaches, like the first and centre approach, is also really profound and powerful. And I've just literally yesterday finished at the back of two years working with this amazing cohort of individuals who've done year one and two at Warwick University, And so a lot of them are person-centred, label themselves that. Some already can see themselves as integrative. They're using different ideas and fusing them together. They are out there in the field already doing placements, working in different places and doing amazing things. And I actually think that kind of person-centred, relational way of working, as well as this compassion-focused approach, and for me, fusing them together is great, but I think there's value in those. And like I said, CBT has its place, but there's some labels that can come through with that way of working. And I think you really need to be careful with that when working with marginalized groups. Yeah, I
0: do agree with that. Saldo mm. also provides group therapy. I'm mm. wondering what is the scope of group therapy using CFT to support marginalized mm.
1: individuals? Yeah, well, so with the classic group therapy, it's based around CMT, compassionate mind group training. And again, when we do our groups as well, we, we fuse with our model bits of the positive psychology too later on. We have a real foundation of CFT, and compassion is the core tenet to all of it, and we fuse these different approaches too. But that was based. So CMT has been, you know, massive thing. So again, developed by Paul Gilbert and, and people like Dr. Chris science and many others like Deborah Lee and, and people like that. And awesome work. And are still doing awesome work. But so I was doing give an example of it. So I'll keep it anonymized So I was doing compassion focus group in an SEMH school in the Midlands. Okay, we're doing kind of research around this, and so we've done researchers have done a big scale project which again some people loved and some people were a bit mixed about and that was fine, but then we said at this school let's do an opt in smaller compassion based group for the teachers teaching assistants at this school who are working in an SEMH school. So like I said, that's social emotional mental health difficulties. So often young people with a lot of difficulties, right? So it can be those sorts of environments are really wonderful places to work in, but also really challenging too, because there could be high levels of abuse from students to staff because of all of the trauma and sometimes high levels of violence. And often actually some of the people the teaching the TAs and that groups could come from quite marginalized groups. So when we're doing compassion focused group work, again, like we're saying it was great because we had a really mixed, a real mixture of people from different cultures and backgrounds and different creeds and colours, religious, non, like, which is great. It's a really lovely when you can do that, I think. So, but when we're doing it, we're just slowly introducing ideas of the three systems model, threat drive soothing, the concept of multiple self where you're exploring things like anger and anxiety and sadness and a bit more depth, and then kind of other compassion-focused bits and, and bits of positive psychology. But essentially, what you're doing there in those groups when you introduce these things in like a kind of gentle way. So, this is a model of the mind, and like what do you guys think? How do you relate to it? And then people from the marginalized groups can come forward and say, okay. You well, know, this is what I think and this is my experience and based on, so people are talking about experiences of like serious stuff, like serious racism and abuse and prejudice and experiences of being marginalised and here right in the Midlands, in the UK and all of these sorts of experiences of trauma and abuse and racism and they're coming to you as the therapist, right? And You're just kind of introducing the ideas and then you open it up to the group and don't put pressure on people, it's like whatever people want to share, they can share. But it's interesting as well, when one marginalized person shares an experience, which may be similar or different to others, it sometimes then encourages maybe another marginalized person who's very anxious to develop a bit more of a voice and say, well, actually, that reminds me of the time when this happens to me. And they are speaking then openly about those experiences, too. And you kind of like, yeah, it's as you introduce the ideas and just encourage people to have a voice. And the more they share the more you can work through and process some of those things within the group. And it encourages other people in the group to be open and talk explicitly in an open and cathartic way about racism, abuse, prejudice, and marginalization.
0: Right, right. Moving the discussion for mental health professionals who haven't come across CFT yet, can you tell us if there are any prerequisites to accommodate CFT in their own therapeutic practice?
1: What training is required to capacitate oneself in CFT? What training is required? So if you're a therapist, there's a couple of things and a couple of organizations to mention here, ourselves and others too. If you want to train in CFT, it's good to be at this stage on a quality course, ideally a university one, but it doesn't necessarily have to be a university-based one. But one, so say if I talk about in the UK for one, and obviously different countries will have their different governing bodies so in the uk there are several different kind of governing bodies for the worlds of counseling psychotherapy etc so i'm a member of one called the bacp which is the british association of counseling and psychotherapy and there are other ones ones there as well i did my introductory course at warwick university and that was just a 10-week evening course but it was a really nice foundation i did other bits of cpd at warwick and then did my proper full msc my masters in integrative counseling and psychotherapy up at derby university and that was a three-year part-time course which included a dissertation specialism at the end and so essentially when you're doing it through university or another kind of reputable institution of sorts from the very get-go, what you have to do is join one of the governing bodies. I say, in my case, the PACP, and there are other ones available. And then you also have to get your counselling and therapeutic insurance. And when you're actually doing your proper training, a part an expectation is you will get client hours. So We tend to use the term client, so when you're working with other people out there in the field. So you build up your client practice hours, as well as doing the lecturing-based work, as well as doing group-based work. And there's usually a requirement as well to have some counselling and psychotherapy provision yourself. So you've got to tick all of those boxes, but you can, whilst you're a student, so this is what I did, then go and receive specialist training in CFT from certain organisations. So that's what I did. Or even if you're fully qualified, post-qualified, and you're looking for CPD, then that's kind of something you can do as well. So there are a couple of places to go for that. The Compassionate Mind Foundation so they're still doing amazing work i trained there would highly recommend that and so they trained me and i thought the training there was outstanding to be fair if you're looking for actually as well working with in schools with young people that is something that we at salado sort of specialize in as well so i've been doing work in that field for years we also do work in business and stuff and in september i'm going to do an open online event i think we'll just do a pay what you can type thing i'm still getting the final dates for that but it's looking towards the end of september where anyone whatever your training background whether you're a full therapist or whether you're wanting to get more ideas around what compassion focused therapy is or you're working as a pastoral worker a youth mentor whoever it will be open to anyone who's just interested in knowing more about these compassion focused approaches and our model of cft and positive psychology and logotherapy so we'll do an event on that in September time this year but yeah so the Compassionate Mind Foundation are a really good place to go to so feel free to check out their courses obviously we do at Saldo we do kind of course on this and also a company called Balanced Minds do really amazing work too so sitting down with them and Chris Irons is is one of the directors there who, who is just an awesome guy and, and we're looking at kind of partnering together and doing different projects together so they're the I think the three places okay to go to but we're also kind of using tech as well to be able to access more places and obviously it will go wherever needed. But the beauty of the online world is, is we could do workshops wherever is needed. So that's it. So actually, if anyone in India is listening to this and wants some, feel free to get in touch. We can hook up. We don't mind doing some early morning stuff and logging in. Yeah. Is that right, Saranj?
0: Yeah, definitely. I do hope that the listeners actually do ping you sometime soon about this same.
1: Yeah, thank I said people are very welcome to. And again, and we really do recommend those other two organizations too. Um, we're also very excited about what we're doing. And the whole idea is, that is diversity inclusion is part of it. So we want therapists, trainers from different backgrounds, different countries, different cultures. We want to be doing this like in, yeah, we actually have a really big vision, which, so it's basically kind of have an outline of a 10-year plan. And we basically want to be able to do workshops. And again, I, so I can't do all this. And that was the whole idea of SAUDO is not me. It's about building teams, creating teams, connecting with other companies, institutional organizations who are passionate about these sorts of approaches and then being able to do it either online face-to-face, a combination of both in as many places as possible. If anyone is interested in just talking to us or one of the team about what we do, just, yeah, get in touch.
0: Right. My last question to you, Rory, would be as a leading expert in the application of CFT how do you envision the progress of CFT around different societal and professional settings alongside changes in societal issues and of course this can include the changes that have been induced by the pandemic
1: oh wow that is a juicy question to end on but a great one as well the only thing that's going to happen here is it will grow from strength to strength. So if you think about it, CFD was created by Paul, by Professor Paul Gilbert, by Paul, right? As one man in Derby who kind of saw there's a bit of an issue in the way a lot of people are engaging in certain bits of CBT, all right? So he kind of fused these ideas together, created CFD, and it's now this massive global thing in the therapeutic world. And the conferences are unreal, by the way, if people ever get a chance to go to compassion-focused conferences. And the training, like, it's just great because you've got people from all sorts of backgrounds, all sorts of different parts of the world doing really cool work in this area. So it started with Paul and become this massive thing and it just continues to grow and develop. And the same with CMT. So Paul and others and people like Chris Irons, Deborah Lee, and lots of people were foundational in creating CMT, the group-based work. And then again, that scaled and grown massively. And then for us here at Salda, we're looking in the way it's kind of, like, as a third level down, look at a triangle pyramid of the organization at the top end, you'd have CFT or like individual counseling and psychotherapy, including CFT for people who need it most. At the mid layer, is smaller groups in CMT and those sorts of approaches. But then at the bottom layer, many people as possible that's what we're saying could engage within the organizations in this sort of really compassion focused approach. And actually, I think there has been a culture shift in many ways in terms of what's gone on with COVID, in many terms of people. Who've been oppressed and marginalized, having more of a voice and feeling more empowered to speak about those things, which is really great and really important. I actually think there's so much, I think these compassion focused approaches will continue to develop and will continue to reach people in all sorts of parts of the globe, in all sorts of fields. So, as I say, it's that, you know, big in the NHS and has continued to develop there in our health service in the UK. There's been some inroads into certain businesses, which we're also a part of too. There's been big inroads to schools that me and others, and also Mary Welford is really great at this. And a shout out to her. She's been really foundational to this. But there's been lots of works around schools and implementing schools for teachers, staff everywhere. So, yeah, I think it's going to continue to grow and develop. The more people realize the power and the importance of developing these approaches, about learning about how the mind works, about developing a sense of compassion for yourself and a compassion for others, but also balancing those things. So when we talk about compassion, it's not this soft, weak, fluffy thing. It's a really powerful thing, which includes developing a more empowered voice yourself, but developing a sense of boundaries and not allowing other people where possible, challenging other people. Who may be treating you poorly, all of those things are part of this approach of compassion-focused therapy. I think it is going to continue to grow. And a really interesting thing to think about actually is business. So a great book that I've read that was recommended by Paul actually is about the idea of conscious capitalism. And I'm really inspired by that. And that's how we're setting up Saldo, like idea that we want to treat all of our staff as well as possible, all of our contractors as well as possible really have that compassionate ethos in the people who work with us and who go on to do work for us and that's the whole plan i do hope so that a lot
0: of people do connect with cft and it proves to be a worthy
1: alternative for a lot of professionals in india and outside india as well yeah absolutely well that's it and thank you so much for having us on so it's been a pleasure to talk to you and i say we do have our podcast i say we've got three that we've I had live so far and we started off it last year, had a bit of a pause and are back on doing those. But just talking to people in this real, genuine way about their life experiences, about mental health, about trauma, about all these things. But having real conversations with real people. If anyone wants to listen, to get in touch with us, the Compassionate Mind Foundation, wherever, then, then please do. Yes. Thanks
0: a lot, Rory, for spending time with us today. All the best to you
1: and your initiative. Awesome. Thank you so much. And all the best, you, because it sounds like you guys are doing amazing work. Thank you.
0: You can also listen to this podcast and many more conversations on intersectional inclusion by downloading Belong's app, Another, spelt U-N-O-T-H-E-R, available on Apple and Google app stores. To connect with intersectional experts for guest lectures or consultations, check out Belong Circle, a platform that makes it easy for a range of organizations and individuals to integrate intersectionality in their work. Thank you for listening and stay tuned to listen to more such episodes on intersectional inclusion.